Hey, everybody. This episode of The Business of Hype deals with topics like depression, anxiety, and mental health. If that's too much for you to handle right now, you might want to skip out on this one. And if you think you need help or you just need someone to talk to about it, we're going to have links all the way at the end of the episode where we point you in the right direction. So yeah, listener discretion advised. Okay, let's carry on. From Hype Beast Radio, I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. Within every community, there exists a shared responsibility. It's often unspoken, assumed, and undefined, but it's there. And when that responsibility lapses, it is immediately apparent. Now, in our society, within fashion, streetwear, sneaker culture, plus with the magnifying glass of social media applied, it is glaringly obvious that many of us are suffering. And too often, that suffering happens alone and in silence. It's heavy, but it's real. So as part of our responsibility to this community, the fortuitous nature of humanity has recently shined a light on the missive and message of Liz Beecroft, a sympathetic being that has pledged allegiance to working with the youth, primarily those from foster families, to unlock a path to mental wellness. And while this might sound like a succinct definition of her job, I can tell you now that the complexities of the task of social work are literally immeasurable. Truly, Social work is work that simply cannot be measured. The wellness of our mental state can inspire our society, but it can just as easily destroy it. And that's no exaggeration. So how does all this relate to Hype Beast and the business of hype? Well, Liz recently combined all of her passionate interests and somehow manifested them to design one of the most coveted sneakers of the year. So how exactly does a social worker, a sneaker company, and sneakerheads all over the world find themselves under the same umbrella, helping one important cause? We're about to find out, and a whole lot more with this week's guest, Miss Liz Beecroft. Thanks for coming into the studio. Thanks for having me. Of course. So for those of you who don't know, my name is Liz Beecroft. I am a full-time licensed social worker, um, currently working for a foster care agency in Brooklyn. And I also am a big mental health advocate, and I try to use my social media platforms to advocate for mental health. Um, and recently, I designed a sneaker with Nike and Cultivator, which was a mental health awareness shoe called mm -hmm. In My Feels. It was an Air Max 270 React. And yeah, that's why I'm here to talk a little bit about all of that. Okay, cool. This is a unique um, subject that we're going to talk about because oftentimes on our show, we talk a lot with like um, either aspiring or successful entrepreneurs. And it's always about like the business and the finance and the success and, you know, failures and trials and tribulations. But then how that affects them mentally is almost something that's mm -hmm. never really comfortably discussed. And that's your whole 
thing. Your whole thing is talking <laughs> yep. about how people feel and how it affects them mentally. Yep. So first, in order to unpack everything that you just said you do, let's start from the beginning, like about your job. Say your job title again, because it was a lot. Licensed clinical, well, licensed master social worker currently. I'm studying to get my licensed clinical social worker license. Okay. So I feel like social worker is one of those jobs that like you don't exactly know what that means. You get an idea of what a social worker is, but Explain from a social worker standpoint, what exactly does a social worker do? <laughs> so a social worker, this is actually hard to describe from my standpoint okay. as well. It's not um, just everyone else. No, it's, it's a very broad term. So essentially you're working with social service organizations and you're helping people. You're giving back in some way, shape or form. So the reason I chose social work was because there, it is a big umbrella of different concentrations underneath. Um, you can work with substance use, you can work with eating disorders, women's rights, um, you can just do advocacy work, you can do policy work, you can do specific mental health clinical work. It, Got it. There's such a range. So social work is a huge umbrella mm-hmm. that encompasses many smaller buckets and silos of uh, specialty. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then which specialty are you in? I am in the mental health field. Okay. Yes. And even I'm sure that's like yeah. a, a universe of itself, right? There's yeah. probably silos within mental health. Yes. yes. Can you break that down so a little bit. So with in mental health like I'm specifically in a foster care organization right now doing a, a model of therapy with kids in foster care. But, you know, I could be working in a hospital um doing mental health therapy with people who might have chronic illnesses or who might also be in, you know, a psychiatric unit with mm-hmm. some severe mental health issues mm-hmm. or I could be working doing mental health therapy with people who are getting treated for substance abuse. So mm-hmm. it really depends. I'm just looking at, it's like a systems um, yeah. model essentially of, you know, what system did I want to work with? Uh-huh. And right now I'm in foster care. It's my system. Okay. But, um, you know, I have future goals to eventually maybe make moves. But I think as far as mental health goes, I'm just very, I'm very passionate about understanding like how our thoughts work, how our feelings and thoughts and actions are all connected. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it really, you kind of just end up where your feelings yeah, go. Yeah, where your feelings your go. Feelings, yeah. yeah, and especially like when I was in grad school um, studying for my master's in social work degree, I um, had two internships. One was in a college counseling center. So I was doing mental health therapy for kids in, in a college. Okay. And then my second one, I was doing crisis therapy. So for people who might not always be stable mentally mm-hmm. and kind of just going to their home and doing a mental health assessment to make sure that they were okay or if they had to go to the hospital or, you know, what services mm-hmm. they needed. So it's, right. a, it's a huge range. It really... And your focus now is foster care. Yeah. Which yeah. is, am I, am I to assume that's mostly young kids? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. in New York State, you can enter foster care system from birth um, and you age out at 21. Okay. So it really depends, yeah. Can you break that down a little bit? Like, how do kids end up in foster care? How are kids born into foster care? Mm-hmm. Explain some of that. So... In New York, you can end up in foster care, you know, for various reasons. It's usually something on the parents' end where it might be neglect, educational neglect, just food, physical malnourishment neglect. Um, It could be abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. It could be substance use, having a parent who is actively using drugs in front of the, the child. They could be brought into care. It could be forms of corporal punishment. It could be, there's so many different reasons. Um, right. And usually it's through reports from school or, or neighbors or other family members that see this happening to the, mm-hmm. the child. They make the report. It goes in, it gets investigated by ACS, which is um, 
the basically overall umbrella agency of New York City. And then once the kid enters ACS, they then send them to the the agencies. There's multiple different foster care agencies in New York. And as a social worker, you are working one-on-one with the kid? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're, you said you're a master social worker. Mm-hmm. What is that? What is the difference between master and regular? Um, so, like black belt and no, white belt? Yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> so, so basically to do clinical work, face-to-face therapy, I needed my master's degree. Oh, so you have a master's degree? Yeah, oh, yeah. So master's mm-hmm, master, social worker yeah. means master yeah, degree. Yeah, my MSW, master's in social oh, work. Yep. That's pimp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty dope. Yeah. Okay. Um, but are you still working one-on-one with kids or does that mean you're working, you're managing social workers now? Yeah, I'm actually doing all of it. I'm, okay. I have interns. Um, so I studied at NYU for my master's degree. Okay. I, am, I graduated in 2014 and now I am actually a supervisor for some students at NYU who are currently getting their master's degree. So they, every okay. school year will have interns that come and work with us for mm-hmm, a year and mm-hmm. I supervise them and have to know their caseloads. I have to know everything about their clients as well and help them clinically be a good therapist. Um, I also have my own caseload of about 15 kids that I see individually for therapy. And I also do some group therapy work. So mm. wow. it's a mixture. I have my hand in kind of like everything. Out of curiosity, is 15 sort of the max one human can accommodate in their head? No, it's about half. Um, when I first started... I <laughs> Wait, was, it's about seven? It's No, it's 30, oh, 30 35. Is like is, the max one yeah. social worker. It, it really manage. depends on the agency and your job yeah. and what your expecta- expectations are. Right. Um, I first started at this agency and was only doing... I was a full-time therapist. Um, now my title has changed since then. I've been there for about three and a half years, but... When I was a full-time therapist, my caseload was like 35, 36 clients. And you're supposed to see all of them once a week for about an hour. So if you do the math, yeah. it's... That's all you can do. Pretty hard, yeah. Right. And plus your paperwork and yeah. meetings and everything else that comes with it. So, Hustle transcends. Hustle isn't a characteristic exclusive to everyone out here trying to launch the next great startup or the next untouchable streetwear brand. It is universal. And if it's not obvious that Liz has that hustle gene, just wait for the rest of the episode. Now, we've all been there. Imagine a heavy emotional interaction with a friend and consider that emotional drain we all feel whenever we bear the burden of being a shoulder to cry on for someone we care about. Now, Try multiplying that in your head by two friends. But now, try multiplying that by 35 friends. It seems unfathomable that one mind and one soul could carry all of that weight. But this feeling drives Liz. She's been devoting her whole entire life to it. And it says a lot more than I could ever unpack in this one interlude. But I want to dive in further now and see how she can keep her emotional equation in check. It's incredible. What are you finding that is uh, unique ways of like, you know, doing therapy? Because I know you have some interesting methods that you do. I do. Um, (laughs) It's it's actually funny. So I am very lucky at my job. I don't have to go in in a suit and tie. I don't earn not a tie, but I don't have to go in in like business attire and look professional. I can wear pretty much whatever I want. So you can wear this. I can, I, as long as I have pants on, yeah, I can get away with it. No, she she has pants on in the studio. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, on. she's wearing a long sleeve ACG t-shirt. 
She's wearing gold chains, her Nikes. Like, you definitely look like you just came off, like, a B-girl competition (laughs) or something. Well, as long as I had, like... Wait, are you wearing pants? Yeah, you're wearing pants. Okay. If I had full-length pants pants on, then I could totally wear this. But everyone else is usually quite professional? Um, I mean, yes and no. I mean, more business casual, but my business casual is, like, a nice pair of, like... Trousers and a cool shirt. <laughs> My business casual is pants. <laughs> pants, yes. I wear pants. Um, Leg coverings. When I actually wear pants, it's business casual. Um, always no, sneakers, yeah. though? Yeah, always, always sneakers. I don't think I own anything that's not sneakers. I maybe own two pair of heels, and that's if I have to go to a wedding. Right. Um, they're collecting dust in my closet right now. Okay. But so you don't look and act and behave no. like other... Okay. Not the stereotypical therapist. Okay, so tell no. us some of the unique techniques you have. <laughs> so kids will come in my office, and I'm also a huge Disney fan, so I'm eyeing your watch. I might steal it. but um, My Mickey Mouse watch. <laughs> yes. So I have my room pretty much decked out in Disney stuff for the kids. Oh, cool. I also have a basketball hoop on the back of my door, and I wear sneakers. Uh-huh. And I'll come in, the kids will kind of go nuts in my office. Oh my gosh, Miss Liz, your office, it's, it looks so much fun. It's, it's like the happiest place ever, except for Disney World. So they um, love that. But I prefer to work mo- mostly with teenagers because I feel like with adolescents, they understand um, just you know what you're talking to them about mm-hmm. a little bit more in depth than maybe three or five-year-olds. Yeah. It's more like play therapy with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like distracting them with play. Yeah. yeah, you're basically teaching them through Barbie dolls. Like, okay, this is how we appropriately talk to each other. Or this is, you don't hit when you're mad or you don't right, do this. Right. So like teaching them skills that maybe they didn't learn when they were with their mm-hmm. parents. Um, with teenagers... And, and just so I, I'm clear, you can, if you prefer to talk to teenagers, you can request that mm-hmm. and just get teenagers. Yeah. And I'm sure there's someone that prefers to yeah. play with kids, yeah. like younger kids. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. So most of my caseload is teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, And the cool thing about that, like the first phase of therapy is what we call engagement work, where you're really just trying to get to know them on a a pretty personal level and help them feel comfortable and feel Mm -hmm. like they can open up to you about some of this stuff. Because in foster care, these teens are all traumatized. They've been through several traumas, at least, um, that it's hard to open up. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to trust people to, Mm -hmm. you know, really just be like, all right, I'm just going to meet some random person today and tell them totally. all my problems. And even if you've never goes. had trauma, that's like yeah. an awkward, weird thing to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one thing for me is my sneakers. Like a lot of the teenagers are, they love sneakers. So once they see me wearing sneakers, they're kind of like, okay, she's not that bad. She might get it. And then we'll just talk. And I'll spend like the first couple of sessions talking to them about music or sneakers mm-hmm. or basketball or anything that they're interested in. And yeah. it's funny because like I actually do keep up with pop culture and what the youth is uh-huh. into these days. And, you know, it helps. Yeah. It really helps because they're like, wow, she gets it. She gets like the social media world and how people like can bully you on social media. Social right, media. She right. gets that. So they feel comfortable. They mm-hmm. open up to me. And like I'll have sessions technically are supposed to be for 45 minutes to an hour. They're there for maybe an hour and a half, two hours, and, mm. like, just talking. And if they're getting it out, fine. Like, yeah. that's good. It's helping. So You mentioned basketball. How does that you – know, <laughs> you're a fan of basketball, but it also plays into your therapy, right? It does, yeah, yeah. So we have just different – like, we'll just shoot a ball. And I find, too, like – Wait, in your office? Yeah, okay. yeah. I have a hoop on the back of my door. Uh-huh. I shut my door, and we have, like, a little – it's, like, a mini one. Yeah. Um, and we'll shoot. And I find, like, too, while you're busy doing something mm-hmm. and you're talking, you're more – it's more 
natural. Yeah, it's less flowing. focused on my words, but yeah. it's just conversation then. Yeah. Right. And so that helps a lot too. And even like you can set up the basketball hoop and say, all right, we're going to play feelings basketball. And you have a, a spot here on the floor, a spot there on the floor, a spot here. Mm-hmm. And wherever you stand, you have to tell me about a time you felt these feelings. And that mm-hmm. kind of encourages to talk a little bit more about yeah. your feelings. And we can, you know, you can tweak it and kind of play it however you want. But right. that's how I incorporate it. That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, I could imagine just even walking into a foreign room like that is so hard and challenging. And in a foreign person, like, uh, it, it's it's tough. But it's weird how sneakers have, like, this sort of common through line, like, where, like, people can really relate. It doesn't matter where you come from, how much money you have, what color skin you are. Like, people can sort of, like, bro down on sneakers mm-hmm. immediately, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even if... Like, you don't necessarily, like, some of my clients don't really know, like, the colorways or the models, or but they like them. They're interested in them. Right. And they're not sneaker heads. They're yeah, just like, yeah. those are really cool. Yeah, exactly. That's and so weird <laughs> to yeah, me. Yeah. It's like, that's like the power of a good sneaker designer yeah. is like, they could just make something that is like eye-catching, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. It was actually funny. After um, my shoe came out, one of my clients came in the next day and was, Miss Liz, I saw you on Hypebeast yesterday. And I was like, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> cool he's like you're like a sneakerhead sneakerhead and i was like okay thank you that's so awesome but yeah he was funny so so what is the cool. age like the sweet spot age that you that you deal with 15 16 17 i have a couple that are like 18 19 mm-hmm. in college right now mm-hmm. so um so they're high school kids yeah, yeah yeah you know i do like a lot of talks and like lectures and symposiums all over the world like to executives and agencies and stuff when i get asked to speak at a middle school or high school it is the most frightening thing. Mm-hmm. They are like no holds barred. <laughs> and these are like like kids that aren't in, you know, going through therapy or in trauma, just normal public school, high school kids. Mm-hmm. They're like the most ruthless, mm-hmm. like just, and also just like distracted. Yeah. Like I could just tell like there's so much on their mind. Mm-hmm. So I could just imagine like the ones that you're dealing with are like that times a hundred. Yeah, yeah. And I have some too like, you know, they'll give you the blank stare and you don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> exactly. You just don't know. Oh like, my God, that's the worst. You're do trying, they think yeah. I'm helpful? <laughs> do they think I'm the corniest person ever? Like right. I don't, I can't read them. And then eventually they'll open up a little bit, but it's like cracking an egg, like cracking the shell off. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like trying to be a comedian and like tell a joke so that like they change their face mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, do you find anything I'm saying interesting or funny? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, that is so tough. Yeah. How long does it usually take for you to like be able to crack that egg? Uh, maybe One three session? sessions. Three sessions? Yeah, three sessions, I wow. would say. Okay. Um, okay, so let's shift a little bit. We, we talked about basketball mm-hmm. and how you incorporate that, which leads to sneakers. Have you always been a sneakerhead? I've always, I wouldn't say I've always been a sneakerhead. I don't, uh-huh. since I was little, I've, because of my love of basketball and playing basketball, I've always been into sneakers. Okay. Um, growing up, like what got me into sneakers was, Basketball, my favorite players were like Tracy McGrady, Allen Iverson. I'm from Pennsylvania. So AI Mm -hmm. was like the guy. I had a huge crush on Jason Kidd, um, (laughs) Michael Jordan, you know, this Kenyon Martin, who else? Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah. All of those guys. And like, I think my first pair of like, like I can remember just from, from playing basketball growing up was probably a couple pair of AIs. I had the fours, the fives. The sixes. Mm-hmm. Um, You're allowed to say Reebok on the show. Okay, Reebok. <laughs> <laughs> I also had the the DMX i threes, which were 
<laughs> my favorite and I actually pissed my mom, like got rid of them. Um, and I started into Jordans probably like fourth, fifth grade mm-hmm. was, but I always wore them. I was never like a collector per right. se because I guess like where I grew up in Pennsylvania too, we didn't have like sneaker stores. It was middle of nowhere. Oh, it wasn't Philly. No, I'm like an hour and a half north of okay. Philly. So very much middle of nowhere area. We had a store in the mall called Schuylkill Valley Sports. That's where everyone went to get their shoes right. or East Bay. We yeah, call East in Bay, the yeah. magazines. Yep. So <laughs> I remember when the 17s came out with the briefcase, I had to have those. My mom ordered them for me. And then when I outgrew them, she gave them to my fifth grade teacher and I never saw them again. <laughs> so that's kind of my, like some of my sneaker stories. I had the 18s, the T-Mac threes, the, the blue, the uh-huh. red, the solid blue and red ones. Um, How did like, so you wore sneakers, but then there's like hype beast culture, yeah. right? When yeah. did that enter your life? I think just more, for this or even? Uh, no, I would say more so like in college was oh, okay. I got out of my hometown. I started, I played basketball in college and I think for me, that's kind of more so when I started getting into just like the hype of sneakers. Mm-hmm. And I had a really good friend from home. His name's Vinny. And he was always into like the SBs and dunks growing up. And mm-hmm. he was kind of my guy at the time, like teaching me everything, taking me places. Um, Where'd you go to undergrad? I went to undergrad at a school called Susquehanna University in, in Central PA. Okay. Liberal arts college, very small. All right. Um, and then you did NYU yeah, master's. Yeah. And then my master's in NYU. That must have been culturally mind-blowing though yeah it was well that's part of why i wanted to come to nyu i just really wanted to get that different Uh experience and i didn't know how i was going to handle it because when i was really young i used to get really homesick i couldn't stay really far away from home so Uh that's part of why i went to the school in central pa because it was only like 45 minutes away from my house if i had to drive home it was a quick drive um but i survived and i'm here (laughs) obviously yeah um, okay, so you, you sort of get ingratiated into hypebeast culture, like going into college. Mm-hmm. How about when you come to New York, when you move to New like, Oh, that totally, like, Pandora's yeah. box just swung yeah. wide open. I was, just, I was like, ah, oh, and I'm just <laughs> like, okay. So it was, it was cool, though, because I was able to learn a lot more mm-hmm. than what I was able to learn when I was home. Because, like, growing up, I didn't have social media. I didn't have the access to what I have now. So... It was more of like the forums and stuff, which I didn't really keep up with that much. I was, I was a typical high school kid. I mean, mm-hmm. I played basketball, so- soccer, and softball and just did my thing, went to yeah. school, came home. So right. <laughs> it was that. You didn't have that. to take the F train and get No, stuff. I didn't. <laughs> right. I didn't. I had to ride the bus to school. And <laughs> the yellow bus. The yellow bus, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. how long have you been in New York now? I've been here since 2014. Okay. So five years. Five years. Mm-hmm. And you've been doing your work. How does the conversation with Nike occur? So as far as the Cultivator collab? Yeah. The shoes, like so. you, you're, well, let's, let's see. Let's talk about, yeah, I want to I do it chronologically. I want to talk about how a social worker somehow gets a call from or an agency or whatever to have the possibility to do a shoe. Okay, so basically what had happened was I was working, well, I was in grad school for two years from 2014 to 2016. And then... My first job out of grad school was grueling. Like I was doing in-home family therapy. I was working long, long hours. And my boyfriend was just kind of like, you need an outlet. Like you need something else to do that's not just your job. So he's like, what else do you like? I'm like, well, I like sneakers. I like styling. But like I'm a social worker. It doesn't really all fit together. Mm -hmm. 
he's like, just do it. So I started like posting on Instagram, like photos of my shoe. And I really had fun with it because Mm -hmm. my boyfriend's a photographer. So he was able to teach me the editing and, you know, just like different photography skills, I guess you could call (laughs) it. Angles. Yeah. yeah, I had to work the angles. So, um, (laughs) Learned a lot of that through him, and I enjoyed it. And then I started getting hit up by a couple of different brands, and I was like, "Wow, like I oh, can wow. actually, you know, make some money off of this." It's like swag. a little side hustle, yeah. So, how many like at when you started getting contacted by brands? How many followers did you have? <gasps> Maybe like four thousand, five thousand. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. So you must have been doing something right with your whole yeah. look and styling and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like. I'm good with styling, I would say, for the most part. I just love color. Like I love mm-hmm. like bright colors and color blocking and you know mixing patterns. I think that's really fun, and for me, it's really aesthetically pleasing. Um, and so, but I actually did struggle. Like when I first started doing it, it I had this like two separate lives mm-hmm. that I was living of yeah. like the social worker and then like the the hype beast yeah. on Instagram. You know, yeah, the hype bay. <laughs> so I wasn't really sharing on my social media platforms about my job and like what I do. And I got really consumed in like comparing myself to like other influencers out there. Mm, And if I didn't get a a certain release, like getting down on myself because it didn't give me this like level of clout. And I like had to take a step back and be Mm. like, what the hell is going on? Like, Mm. why am I letting this like superficial stuff bother me so much? So then I actually went back to therapy um, for yourself, for myself, yeah, I love my I ther- my therapist. I still see her; she's awesome, and she kind of helped me see that you know it's okay to be a social worker and also be in the sneakers, and it ma- what's ma- it it's what makes me unique mm-hmm. and to own it and use it for. So the she good. said, "Go, go all in." Yeah. <laughs> so I started doing it, and really, that's interesting yeah, advice. Yeah, and I just kind of from a prof- I thought it'd be like no, turn off like. Delete your Instagram account. She, well, she's like, you're in control. So you can share what you want to share. You don't have to, you know, but she knows me pretty well. She's like, you're very passionate about the advocacy work mm-hmm. around it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at your my job, it's more clinical work where I'm just helping other people. I'm not really like spreading this like yeah, message, message out to right. the masses. Right. So that's kind of what I started okay. doing. And to like merge those two yeah. worlds together. Okay. And at first I was like, oh, this like no one in sneakers in the street where I really care about mental health. It's kind of like a stigma and people are probably going to think I'm corny or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but I did it and mm-hmm. it worked out. And so fast forward. Can to, you give an example of how you would do it? Um, like in the early days, like how would you so like blend occasionally I'll find like a cool photo of like a quote on the sh- like a street. There's a, an account that I follow called We're Not Really Strangers and they do a lot of similar. So sometimes I'll repost their photos and mm-hmm. I'll just like in my caption yeah. put a long caption about like, you know, we have control over our thoughts mm-hmm. or I'll use like what I'm trained in in the cognitive behavioral therapy model that I right. use in my job and what this talks about is how our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors are all connected. Mm-hmm. So I'll just basically say, like, look, we can't control the event that happens in our lives, but we can control how we respond to it. Right. And then sometimes I'll just open up, I'll post a photo, and I'll say, look, I'm feeling really shitty today. Here's an old photo, but real talk, this is, like, what I'm going through right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. And just, like, kind of airing out all my dirty laundry yeah. onto this platform. Yeah. And it's cool because I actually have a ton of people that message me and they're mm-hmm. like, wow, like, thank you for opening up or I'll share resources. There's um, a 
an Instagram account called Find My Wellbeing. They're actually a service to where if you're looking for a therapist, they will do the legwork because one of the hardest things is finding a, a therapist that's like a good fit for you. Totally. So they will take a lot of like basic information, find out what you're looking for in a therapist, and mm-hmm. they'll match you with people and give you some options to reach oh, cool. out to. So I'll like help promote them online. Mm-hmm. I'll do, you know, talk about Headspace or just different apps that people can use. Yeah. Um, so I think like people have found that helpful. Right. And I've had a couple people reach out and say like, hey, I started going to therapy because you really like inspired me to take care of my mm-hmm. mental health. So yeah, that's cool. So okay. that's what I started doing. So I guess um, you started being quasi known for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But also like the girl, it's like sneakers. And you don't really yeah. see like those two worlds no. that much. If at all, like there's maybe two other girls and I know that are also mental health advocates like that are pretty big into sneakers. Self-doubt. It's something that can slowly chip away at your well-being. And if not checked, it can be totally crushing. But if we learn to embrace the doubt and ourselves, it can unlock more than potential. In many cases, it can actually reveal our true, unique, beautiful selves. This makes me think about someone like Joni Mitchell, who is worth looking up if you're not familiar. She wasn't even tuning her guitar in a standard format. It's been said that Joni created over 50 unique tuning conventions on guitar. She literally could not figure out a way to fit in. So she listened to her instincts and made her own sounds that went against everything they teach you in music school. The same applies to visionaries like Steve Jobs, Nina Simone, Old Dirty Bastard, Bob Dylan, and others. These people embraced their originality, coped with the feeling of being an outsider, and then in turn were recognized for their unique visions. So don't be fooled by the veneer of social media. So many of us are constantly on a journey to be at peace with who we are and how we are. And the answer to sorting that out does not exist in the approval of others. It originates from inside. Liz is talking about embracing what makes us unique, and it's something I've spent most of my adult life thinking about. Those who have the courage to be honest with who they are often might feel isolated or alone. You know who else often feels that way? Leaders. By definition, embracing your own originality makes you someone who doesn't want to follow the herd. Society wants people to be sheep, so it has a way of shaming those who don't fall in line. Just know that the very thing that makes you weird and different is not the thing that needs to be fixed. It is the thing that needs to be embraced. Okay, so then how does the uh, the it, approach happen finally? So, yeah, I mean, I had I saw, I've been following Cultivator because um, I had a friend a couple years ago who had designed a shoe with them. And then last year, if you're familiar with the Coral Studio 95s that were released by my friend Ish, um, he designed those. So mm-hmm. I've been following them and I just saw like, I think it was April or May. And it was like, hey, we're looking for New York-based creators. So I just like reached out. I sent in my info and was kind of like, hey, like I'm interested in doing this. Here's my story. I'm a mm-hmm. social worker. And I knew from the, from the jump that like if I were ever to design a sneaker, and I've said this like so many times to people, and it's crazy because I was actually on a podcast last year where they were like, if you could design any sneaker, what would it be? And I said, it, was a, it would be a mental health awareness mm-hmm. shoe. Mm-hmm. So then this 
came along and I was like, if I were to design a sneaker, it would be a mental health awareness related right. story. So Did you have to already sketch it or you, it was just a, no, a brief that you had to write? It was just a brief. Okay. And um, Can you explain what Cultivator is for those who don't know? Yeah, so Cultivator is a creative agency mm-hmm. um, that they basically provide different creatives throughout the U.S. with these opportunities. And every year they do a launch with Nike okay. where they assign the model and uh-huh. you get to design the colorway essentially mm-hmm. yep. with Nike. And then you get two weeks where your shoe goes live on the Nike website mm-hmm. and people can purchase it. And after those two weeks, it's gone. And That's is it, it done on Nike by you? Yeah, it's okay. Nike Formally Nike mm-hmm. ID. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you submit your brief. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? I submit my brief and I didn't hear anything for mm-hmm. a while. Nothing. So, well, actually not a while, like a month, two months. Uh-huh. So July comes around and I start seeing on Instagram like people sharing, oh, damn, like I didn't get selected. I didn't get selected in their stories. And it was some friends that I had followed that are also pretty big in sneakers. Like they got a formal rejection letter. Yeah. Okay. And, I and never, you didn't get one yet. I didn't get anything. So <laughs> I was like, like, what the, the hell's hope going is on? Alive. So I was like, <laughs> there's oh, hope. There's hope. So I... You know, and I, I was honestly going to say, screw it. I'm just going to, I probably didn't get it. Because, you know, with some raffle emails, you just don't hear anything. Yeah, of course. So It's like a lotto ticket. Yeah. So I, I don't know what it was, but I messaged them. I was like, hey, like I saw some of my friends are getting, are learning <laughs> either way. Like, let me know. I mm-hmm. didn't hear anything. They're like, oh, what's your email? And I was like, this is my email. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you put the wrong email. I messed up my email when I typed wow. it. Wow. <laughs> so I... Had like one letter off because I probably did it on my iPhone and something <laughs> happened. So luckily for that, then they yeah, they're like, "Oh my god, like thank God you reached out!" out. Yeah. And it was actually two days later after people had already started having access to our creator studio where you can go in and customize everything. <laughs> two days after, yeah, it already was. You like going. passed the deadline, and yeah. they were just like, "Oh, she didn't reply." So yeah. So oh no! Then Imagine like, you didn't ping back. They're like, "Oh well, here's all your emails. We'll just like re-forward them to you." So uh-huh. they forwarded them back to me. So I was like, "Okay, cool." So I logged in. I was panicking, like, "Oh my gosh, I only have." I think they gave us maybe a week mm-hmm. to come up with yeah. the colorway and figure it out, and the storyline, and the photos we wanted, the inspirational right. images. But and, now you had even less time. Than yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "Shit!" So. <laughs> This is you had like what five four five, four days five, yeah yeah and I was at work I was working full time Monday to Friday <laughs> so I was like at work trying to like do this on my lunch break Did you, had you yet well you didn't even know what model you had to work with yet well right? I, once I logged in yeah. you got assigned but, but it's not like when you applied you're like mm-mm. I'm gonna do this this color and it's all ready no, to go no 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 oh wow okay yeah so they assigned you the shoe yeah okay. yeah so the three models this year were the React Element fifty fives the two seventy Reacts and the um the two hundreds did you get to choose or they signed no I okay. got assigned the two okay. seventies so right. were you happy with it I mean, yeah yeah I mean I would definitely was happy with it I would have either wanted this or the Air Max two hundred which mm-hmm. I think is cool but I, I like the Reacts yeah so um yeah so I. Got this opportunity. Uh-huh. I Talk logged about the, in. Your ninety-six hour design process. How did that, <laughs> how'd you do that? So I am very blessed with a lot of great people uh-huh. in my corner. I have a friend who's based in Miami named Christian. He is a graphic designer and oh. designed my in my feels and that's okay logo for me. Uh-huh. I called him up. I was like, "Hey, I'm so sorry. I need this in two days. Can you do it?" He was like, "Got you." So did it. Sent it over to me. Had that done. Um. I which actually, is the back part? Which is, I don't know if you saw, I actually made t-shirts. Um, oh, I didn't see. With like, Check it out. I'll show you then. That is, did he do the mock ads too? 
No, my boyfriend did those. Okay, all right. So, so you definitely yes. brought in the whole team. Okay, go on. Um, Who else helped out? Elisa helped out with planning my launch party. My friend Jive, she helped out um, with all the photography. My boyfriend also shot some photography, and my friend Ralph also shot some okay. photography. And I actually, as soon as I found this out, my first thing I did, I called Ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I messaged Ish. I was like, hey, um, I got this opportunity. Can you help me out? And he's who did the Coral Studio 95s last mm-hmm. year that blew up pretty big. So mm-hmm. he gets on the phone. He calls me. He's on the phone with me for an hour. And yeah. he's like, all right, this is what we did last year just to spark some ideas going. So this kid barely knew me. And the fact that he spent an hour on the phone with me helping me out like meant a lot. So yeah. it got some ideas going in my head. I was like, all right, cool. Um, I knew I wanted to do a mental health awareness shoe. And mm-hmm. I ultimately chose the color green. Um I had in the five days that I had to design it, I had to basically go into the Nike by you website, choose yeah. the colorway. Um, and that was all you? Yeah. That part? Yeah. Okay. So that is what I did. I mean, I had some friends over and I was kind of throwing around just different combinations of the colors, right. but. Um, you kept it like pretty simple too, because other yeah. I've seen other ones and they go ham. They like every single panel is a different color. Yeah. Yeah. So you went, I think you went simple and wearable. Mm-hmm. And I think for me too, is I saw the previous colorways that have already been put out there yeah. in the Air Max, the 270 Reacts, and I mm-hmm. there there's a lot going on. Yeah. And so this was just different. It's very mm-hmm. minimal. It's very clean. And yeah. I chose, I knew I wanted to do green because that's the color of mental health awareness. Okay. And so that's why I chose this green color on mm-hmm. the shoe as close to the green as I could get. Yep. There wasn't a Kelly green. So I chose this like lime. Mm-hmm. And then... When I was going through the swooshes, I saw that they had the like wavy swoosh option. And I yeah. was like, that's really cool. How can I incorporate that into mental health? And I was like, oh my gosh. Like one of the things I always say on Instagram is that healing's not linear. So mm-hmm. I chose the wavy swoosh to represent that like you always have these ups and downs yeah, in life. That's your thoughts right there. Yeah. And the hardest part for me was choosing the name of uh-huh. the colorway. I didn't know what to call it. And I Called it in my feels. Looking back, if I had more time, I probably would have thought something else out. But it's kind of what came to mind on that's, on the spot. So. That's the stroke of genius. What are you talking that's what about? I did. Yeah, the in my feels is like the whole thing. If you called it something else, it'd be totally. Yeah, like, I guess so. I mean, no, I like it's it, so but on point. I feel like it's just it's like a, pl- a play off of the Drake song, and I, I mean, it is. But, yeah, it is. Yeah. But I mean, it it really it captures that sort of like Venn diagram of mm-hmm. like clinical awareness of therapy Mm -hmm. that's needed and Gen Zers, millennials, what they listen to and stuff. So it's like, it wasn't too clinical. It wasn't too street. It was like perfectly in the middle, I thought. And I, yeah, I liked it. And then, I mean, I saw some good feedback. I I honestly saw a lot of people saying it was corny. So then I was like in my head about it. "Eh, (laughs) You were in your feels about, you were in your feels. I was in my feels (laughs) about it. Yeah. So how about the, uh, the marketing of it? You mentioned like party, a launch event, the post, the, the mock ads and all that yeah. stuff. Was that from Cultivator standpoint, were you allowed to do whatever you wanted? Yeah. So with the Cultivator, there was 28 creatives selected mm-hmm. overall and five of them, five people out of the 28 were chosen. I don't know if it was by Cultivator or by Nike, but they got extra Nike marketing. So mm-hmm. they got like videos and more stuff done on the Nike end mm-hmm. to help boost their campaigns. I unfortunately... And I guess fortunately wasn't one of those people. So you said I you had, fortunately wasn't one of those people. Yeah, because I get more creative <laughs> freedom as to what I wanted to do. Oh, interesting. So, if you're chosen, you get sort of locked into the rules of 
Yeah, Nike I know they had like, a sign like they those people had a sign like actual contracts, I think, with Nike. I didn't have to do that. I had to click a box on the Cultivator website that I agreed to terms right. and conditions. Okay, and you were free. Yeah. And I, yeah. You're a free woman after that. So <laughs> I don't know what I just was like I use Pinterest a lot to uh-huh. get a lot of design inspiration. And I have a design board and most of them were like the vintage right. Nike ads. And I was like, you know what? How can I incorporate my shoe? But I also wanted to make sure that I was giving some resources or giving some information about mm-hmm. mental health in like one fell swoop. I was like, you know what? I can take these ads and I can just add mental health language on them and do my shoes. And, and I, change change the old shoe to your mm-hmm. shoe. And I talked to my boyfriend about it. I said, you know, this would be a cool idea, but I don't know how to do this. Uh-huh. He's like, I got you. So... Bless his heart. He's boyfriend of the year for this, but he did all of those ads in three days for me. Whoa. Shot Because I got the shoes them. in the mail on the 10th. Uh-huh. They dropped on the 19th. We had to start marketing them on the 14th or 15th. Okay. So I had like five days mm-hmm. with shoes in my hand to did go they, out and did take Did they my nail photos. it on the first sample? Yeah. Yeah. Good. It was okay. good. Yeah. We went wow. out one morning. My friend Jive and Ralph came over. They did a lot of the shooting for me and, and Domino Park in the Water. And then my boyfriend did all the product photography for me. And then he brought um, all of that to work, I guess. Mm-hmm. I should, maybe I shouldn't say this if his job's <laughs> listening. But he did a lot of it um, at work and just recreated the ads. And I just right. sent him the ads. I was like, make this one into this one. So good. And he did it. And he was like, all right, just tell me what words you want on it. So I went through. I you know, typed up uh-huh. what I wanted, where I wanted it. And we worked together collaboratively That's and so did it. I love it when she says healing is not linear. The Nike swoosh on the In My Feels is a big part of what stops people in their tracks when images of the shoe surface. The jagged swoosh is perfectly symbolic of the healing process. I love this moment because it's a reminder to trust our first instinct, and it also applies to her naming the shoe In My Feels. It's funny how we sometimes doubt our first instinct, and it's often the most honest representation of our ideas. I can't tell you how many times my first creative inclination was ultimately the idea that felt most inspired. What typically happens is that you take that first idea and then you apply things like money, metrics, and public opinion to it. And that's when it all gets messed up. I think part of our job as a creative is to figure out how to get the idea back to its original state while balancing everything else involved. Get it back to that source code. We have to learn to trust ourselves to represent who we are and what it is that we're trying to say in its purest form. This thinking also attracts the right people. And in this world of trying to constantly impress the wrong people, honesty in who we are is what leads to that positive energy from the people who we want to be in our circle because they actually appreciate you for who you are. Look at how Liz's village showed up for her. It was a very tight-knit group of people who were inspired by each other's honesty. But now, look at the results. It became something that connected on a deep level with a huge amount of people, and it raised awareness for a very important cause. It never ceases to amaze me how remarkable just being honest with yourself can be. This reminds me of a Sean Witherspoon story. Because uh, I did a podcast with him mm-hmm. as well. And when he made it to one of the finalists of like Air Max Day, mm-hmm. he, they were like, okay, you could design 
your Air Max now. And he like freaked out and immediately called all his friends into a room and said, <laughs> how do we do this? Right. Cause you know, you're, yeah. you're, you don't come from an industrial design yeah. shoemaking background. Yeah. So it's great that you just called yeah. all your homies and everyone contributed. Yeah. And it's cool too, like that everyone was so like supportive of the mental health initiative. That's yeah. what I was like blown away by was how many people like were like, wow, I didn't expect people to really be so drawn to it or mm-hmm. really care about it. Um, and so many people did. And that w- was what was really, really cool to see. Yeah. But yeah, my friends, like, they're the best. They're, they're, they held it down for me. So when you, um, prior to you getting the first sample in your hand, okay, mm-hmm. um, how many followers did you have on Instagram? And I only ask because I want to know how big I your platform like was. 12,000, 11,000. Okay. So I grew like maybe 3,000 followers. Since? Yeah. Okay. Since. So, you already had a decent platform to so when you did like these mock ads and the mm-hmm. whole thing, like people were yeah. you could get a lot of reaction yeah. and feedback from it. Yeah. Was it immediate home run or did you have some like negative feedback on it or was it primarily think, good? Well, what had really took off too was we Elisa and I had planned a launch party. Okay. We did on the eighteenth. Again, without help from Nike. Yeah. Everything pretty much that I did was out of my own budget. Um <laughs> That and, w- out of your own budget, meaning out of your own wallet, or yes, Cultivator gave you a little bit of money? Out of my own wallet. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love so it. So we were... For the love. Yeah. For the love of the culture. No, well, we reached out to a couple of venues. I had hit up one of my friends who did photography for Kinfolk, and he uh-huh. connected me with the programmer at Kinfolk, and I explained to him what was going on. He was like, yo, I love that idea, and gave us a space for free. So okay. Sam at Kinfolk awesome. is amazing. Um did that and then I was like, all right, how do we plan this event? So I decided I wanted to give back to mental health. Like for me, I don't believe in profiting off of mental health. Like if I'm mm-hmm. gonna give talk about mental health in some way, shape, or form through a marketing campaign, I wanna make sure that I'm working with an organization to donate. So what I decided was all of the kickback that I got from the shoe sales is going to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Okay. So I actually am not profiting off of them at right. all. And you spent to and market spent it. Yeah. To market it, yeah. But so so part of the cultivator deal is that you get whatever mm-hmm. sales you get. You get a, you get a certain a, percent, a, a yeah. percentage of it. So yeah. you're so everyone's incentivized to try to sell more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And so. Um, so you did the so you did a launch yeah. event to try to just yeah. was the launch event on the day it went live. It was the 18th, the day before, the night okay. before, and so, so you wanted to pump up the, yeah. the buzz so that no. everyone the next day would yeah. log on. And, and no go. one had seen the shoe yet. Okay. I didn't have so any an images released. Okay. So people that came through, we actually had T-shirts made too. With I'll I'll show you a photo later of them. Um, just a green box that said mm. "In my feels and that's okay." Um, sold them. We also had journals with friend my friend Amir from Philly who has this really cool journal company called Buy Idle Hours came came by and donated some journals to sell there. We made we got a bunch of white crew socks and just tie dyed them green and mm-hmm. sold them there. My, we had the posters like printed out actually and sold them there, which I was actually gonna bring some for you and I forgot, but I can I'll just mail them to you. Um, <laughs> Good looking out. So yeah, that's we just had a bunch of stuff there. We had donation boxes set up and um, amazing. So we had people from AFSP there, and we got some sponsors. Grassroots Juicery donated some juices. Um, we had Eat Good NYC, the people that make those really cool cupcakes with mm-hmm. the sneakers and stuff. They donated some cupcakes. So like a lot of great people that really stood behind the cause and really wanted to help support. So honestly, without without all of them, it wouldn't have been possible to mm-hmm. do any of it. 
So we raised a good amount of money too at the launch event. Just for, at the Kinfolk event. Yeah. Okay. For um, charity. And then people were like, I had a couple of my shoes there like on display for people mm-hmm. to take photos of. So they were just blasting out images all night. And then we went out after and uh, I was pretty drunk and I was like, well, I'm technically not supposed to post this photo till tomorrow, but it's 11. So threw it up on my Instagram uh-huh. and was like, tomorrow, 8 a.m. And then that photo, like, People shared it like crazy. And then 8 a.m. the next day, like I posted another Uh photo and it just started going nuts. And next thing I know, like everyone's resharing it. And so many people are messaging me and saying how much like the shoe meant to them because like they either had mental health struggles or family members. And it was just like, like wildfire. It was Uh really cool. That's amazing. Okay. So the next day it launches. Yep. Right. It goes live. Mm -hmm. Um. Tell me about how that went, like, as it was going live. I actually, I took the day off okay. from work. Took, took a personal day <laughs> took off. A, uh, and, <laughs> to watch um, this unfold. I made sure to set my alarm for, like, 7.30 because they wanted us to post a photo at, like, 8 a.m. to promote it. So I woke up, I did that. And then, to be honest, I kind of just, like, stayed off my phone for most of the day just to avoid it. My boyfriend, <laughs> he also took off. So we just, like, rode bikes around Brooklyn, mm-hmm. went for breakfast. We went to the new only shop in Greenpoint, <laughs> hit up a bunch of places. And then I came home and I looked at my phone. I was like, oh my goodness, like all these outlets are covering the shoe. Like uh-huh. this is insane. I know Elisa had hooked it up with a couple. She did, she did amazing with the press side of things. Right. And I was just like, wow, like this is phenomenal. So I just kind of like, I was like, okay, Absorbed this is cool. Absorbed it all, yeah. And then the next day, it, it got even bigger. Like, really? Tuesday, I think, was the biggest day of it all. And Did then, some major press outlet like hit it on the first day? I and mean, then Teen it, Vogue had launched what? something. <laughs> I had Teen Vogue, Hype Beast, Hype Bay, High Snobiety, Sneaker News. Right. I had a ton. It was, it was wild. And Yeah, and a lot of them, I feel like, you know, not to sort of throw anyone else under the bus, mm-hmm. but like, they were talking just about your shoe, yeah. not like all the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I also kind of felt bad. I was like, I got, uh, but I was like, yeah. this is cool. Like, it's also like, I gotta I'm say, not profiting off of it. So it's raising awareness. Right. That's really all I wanted it to do. I mean, so. me from the outside, as like, I didn't get a press release or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just stumbled upon your shoe. I ordered it. I didn't get it yet. Still waiting. That's good. Cause <laughs> they, I got a DM at four o'clock on Tuesday. They were gone. That, what, the second day? Mm hmm. Oh, so there was so okay. I'll I'll get to that later. The whole thing, but like, I I saw your shoe. I ordered it, but then I really tried, tried in the day of social media, meaning like I gave it three minutes. But like you know, I really tried to like figure out what this was part of and mm-hmm. Cultivator and Nike by You and everyone else, and like your thing overshadowed. Like I couldn't figure out what was going on except for the in my feel shoe. Like your thing literally just eclipsed the, the entire the, like. The whole entire campaign. I hate well, to say you. it, but like y'all did too good of a job. Thank I think. You. Thank you. I yeah. No, I have a lot of creative friends, and yeah. No, I think the message people. was pure, and the execution of it of the shoe was great, and the execution of the marketing was also solid. Like you know, you mentioned now to me that like y'all just tie dyed some socks. I saw that image with like the shoe and the socks. It looks so professionally done. I didn't know you just tie dyed them for yeah. the event at Kinfolk. Yeah. yeah, I did all that. Like I thought like in Nike made those socks. No, I just, I had a bunch of white socks in an Amazon box and I'm standing at my kitchen sink like tie dyeing them. Wow. Yep. I was like, that's so cool. Was, Nike did coordinating socks with this. 
I wish. That would have been cool. <laughs> but maybe, maybe another time. Right. Okay. Um, so tell me about how the system of the Nike Bayou was supposed to work. Like, was it supposed to be up for a certain number of days? Yeah, it was supposed to be up for two weeks until September. Yeah, September 1st or 2nd was the last day. But there was a, there's a cap, obviously, on how many could be ordered. Is that what I it was? I think it was by materials. So what they told me, they had DM'd me on Tuesday around like 4 o'clock. And they're like, hey, just so you know, your shoe's sold out. You should probably post and tell everyone <laughs> that your shoe's gone. I was like, well, is it going to Wait, come? after two days? Yeah. Okay. Well, not even. It was like it was less than 40 hours. And I was like, okay, um, so are they going to restock? Like, mm-hmm. what's up with this? Because I was like, But what does oh, even shit, restock mean? They're page. just, they're like, they're Are they going to order more materials? Yeah. Like, what's, yeah. and they're like, I don't know. We're going to look into it. And this was the, <laughs> the conversation I had with Colt Fitter. So I was like, okay, cool. So they, they tracked back to Nike. They're kind of like the middleman between yeah. Nike and, and me. And we're talking to them like, hey, unfortunately, like, there's no more materials left. And... What they had told us, like prior to the shoes being launched, we actually had all 28 of us, a Nike rep and um, one of the Cultivator reps in a group video chat where they answered questions for us okay. as far as like our marketing rollout, what we could do, what we couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that they explained was, you know, the first week our designs were exclusive to Nike by use website. But right. the following week which would still be the second week our shoes were available to be purchased, Nike by you is going to put up the Air Max, our, our silhouettes, mm-hmm. and people could go and customize them. So theoretically, someone could go on if they didn't want to support me or support the cause, they could go and make an identical pair of In My Feels on Nike by you and order it for themselves. And have it say In My Feels. Yeah, if they really wanted to do that. Um, the That's only th- so strange. So the following <laughs> week, when that happened, uh-huh. I was like, well, I'm going to see if, I can go make my shoe. Yeah. And I couldn't. Some oh, of the so colors, like legit. the overlay colors were gone. gone. Yeah. So it was legit. The materials were gone. So. Do you know how many pairs are out there? Yeah. I think maybe 475 to 500. That's it? Yeah. Not many. Oh, I thought it was going to be thousands or tens no, of thousands. Nope. Not many. 500-ish. Wow. Yeah. So. I'm so lucky I ordered one. <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah. It's, I'm bummed I wanted another pair. I might have to steal my mom's pair. <laughs> have you cal- have you calculated between the fundraising, the kinfolk event, and this how much is going? Yeah, yeah. My goal was three thousand, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to be close to six thousand. Nice. Yeah. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, and of course the uncalculable awareness that's mm-hmm. gone out now is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just another testament to the community, but also. Don't overlook the fact that Liz invested in herself, literally. She believed that she could help others. And remember when I ran us through the exercise of imagining the exhaustion one must feel to be a social worker and bear the weight of other people's struggles? Well, she made the time to build the events, the advertisements, the photo shoots, and anything else she could to launch the project in a way that did her mission justice. The commitment she learned from her work immediately translated to the commitment it took to make her shoe become a global phenomenon. The output might vary, but the work ethic remains the same. Don't ever overlook that. Don't sell yourself or your mission short. Believe in yourself. Be honest and build your community one at a time. They will carry you when you need them most. And together, you guys can do incredible things and possibly change the world.
So what do you want to do now? Um, I... You get to quit and become a sneaker designer now? <laughs> no, that would be really cool, but I don't think so. Um, I really want to... I'm currently studying for my licensed clinical social worker exam. So if I pass that, then I'll have my next licensure in social work. And um, I really want to for the MBA. I want to be a mental health professional for, for an MBA team. Oh, wow. Just merge your all yeah, your passions in the that one would thing be and the design dream. the shoe for that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> While you're at it, you just I'll save you guys some costs. Let yeah. Me just, yeah, that would be yeah, cool. You do the marketing for yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. I'd also you think it'd be it. cool... Like to consult with some brands around like mental health rollouts and how to market mental health because yeah. I think it's a really fine like it's a tricky line to it is approach. It's new territory and I think brands really do need to start to be aware of it because when you work at a brand or if you have a brand or like if you're you know I've been in a position where I'm working collaboratively with a brand. My job is to create all this hype and energy and like make people want this thing, mm-hmm. this shiny glowing object. But inevitably what comes out of that is this FOMO thing or all the people that can't get it. Mm-hmm. And then like you were saying back in the day when you were started posting like, oh man, I didn't get this. I didn't get seated that. I couldn't get this hooked up. Like I don't have that. And you start to mm-hmm. feel down. So, but that's sort of the business, right? The business mm-hmm. of it, very sort of matter of fact, is that there's going to be the 1% who win it and then the 99% who don't win it. And there's going to be feelings coming out of that. And it would be nice if the brands working with people like you address that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, How do you stay up and positive? Like if if your job is for everyone else to dump their feelings on, who cleans you up? Um, How do you process all that? I go to my own therapist. Um, yeah, I used to go weekly. Now it's more of monthly because I don't really need to go as as often. Mm-hmm. I've been doing pretty well, but I do. I have really bad anxiety. Um, is it more from processing your your clients, or is it more from your life on social media? I honestly like it started after I started working full time after. So I think a lot of it has to do with the stress of my job. Um, so yeah, I go to therapy. I still play basketball. Um, Mm -hmm. I play with a women's league called hoop York city and they're phenomenal. And they're, it's just like surrounding myself with good people. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, sports are a big part of my life. So playing sports. That's awesome. That therapists go to see other therapists. It's like just helping each other out. Do you ever help th- other therapists? Not currently, no. Okay, but that like must I, be like the weirdest chess game because, like, <laughs> you know, you're being helped, but like, you also know their trick. Like, mm-hmm. you know what they're gonna say, yeah. so it's like, it's like playing poker against a professional poker player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it is. Right? I'll be in therapy sessions with mine. And I'm like, I know what you're doing, but yeah. it's working. <laughs> I can't do this for myself. Right. So I'm gonna pay you to do it. Yeah. Um, what do you think for young people, uh, you know, and not super young, but I mean like, you know, college kids, millennials, mm-hmm. Gen Zers, like what is the number one thing that's, that's getting them not mentally well? Is it like, is there a lot of social media pressure? Is it that or is it just work? Is it environment? Is it the presidency? <laughs> like what is getting people down? I think it's a mixture of all. I think it really is different depending on each individual person and what their personal goals and values are. Um, I definitely think social media has a, a lot more of a prevalence in the world than it ever has. And I think it's easy to get into a, a, a 
mentally unhealthy mindset by, you know, going on sometimes and comparing yourself to other people or seeing the highlight reels that are being posted. But, mm-hmm. you know, definitely like the presidency has a, a huge effect on people. Um, also, just like depending on where you live, like living in New York City is grueling on your mental health because you're just constantly around motivated people, go-getters. Like <laughs> you're like, oh God, this person's doing all this. I should be doing that. Maybe mm-hmm. not. Maybe you just need to sit in tonight and like watch TV. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's just a mixture of like, all the systems of your life. So it could be family stress. It could be, you know, environmental stress, school stress, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tough to balance everything today, right? Yeah. Social, you mentioned social media. Is it, and there's ways that social media can be beneficial, Mm -hmm. but would you say that overwhelmingly it's like it creates more harm than it does good? I think if you get into the black hole of, using it to harm you know i mean it's easy to go on and follow all these people that you look up to or want to be like but are you also following people that inspire you are you also following pages that spark creativity are you following people that teach you something other than look at my cool shoes or look at my cool outfit today like Mm -hmm. you know there's more to it than that or are you using it to connect with people and be social that's the point of social media right to go on, on there and and meet new friends and put yourself out there um so I think it really depends on how the person uses it. Yeah. What do you think is the best way to deal with like social media bullying? And Lock bullying and mute. <laughs> yeah, is that the best way? I just wondered like your assessment of it. Yeah, I mean, I would, bullying can happen in very minutia ways and very mm-hmm. obvious ways. Out of sight, out of mind is my what I say, but also, you know, talking to someone, making sure you have a really good support system whether that be a best friend, family member, yeah. guidance counselor in school, on, right? yeah. Yeah. Like just having someone that you know can like affirm that whatever that person's saying is is not true. Right, right. In my fields is really interesting because I think a lot of people get the bullying, but then like they literally close off and like just marinate in that feeling, mm-hmm. which is probably like yeah. the worst thing you could do is one just of, stew in it, right? One of the things I always say to my clients, I compare humans to soda bottles and they're always they're like, what's what? And I said, you know, you think of a soda bottle, right? Mm-hmm. And you have it and it's full and the cap's on, and you're shaking, and you're shaking, and you're shaking. What's Which happening? Which is life. It's life all, is shaking yeah. it, right? Yeah. And then eventually, like, if you don't do anything to kind of slowly release that seal, like coping skills or sports or whatever healthy outlets you have, right. and you just open it one day, it's going to explode. Like, that's how we are with our emotions. Like, we have <laughs> to do things to keep ourselves in check, yeah. or we just blow up one day, and we just explode. Or, so, that is a great analogy. Yeah. Soda bottles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um Last bit of advice for, for, I mean, like you've gone through so many things. You could give mental advice. You could give advice on sort of living your dreams. What advice would you give someone who's looking up to you and saying, like, I want to be you? Um, oof. I would just say from my own personal experience, it's important to just be yourself. Be authentic. Don't do what you think other people want you to do because if you're ultimately not happy because you're not being your truest self, like you're not doing yourself justice. Right. Even if you're quote unquote successful being somebody else, it won't last very I f- long. No, I feel like you're still going to be internally struggling because you know. Word. All right. Thank you so much Thank for your time. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to this deeply insightful episode with the ever inspiring Liz Beecroft. 
If you need help with emotions that you're dealing with or you just need people to talk to, Liz recommends this. She wants you to check out Find My Wellbeing. You can find them on Instagram at Find My Wellbeing. They're great because they actually do the legwork to match you with a therapist that's a good fit. She also recommends mental health journals from Idle Hours. They're on Instagram at by.idlehours, Idle Hours. Liz partnered with them for her launch event, and they make really dope journals, which are really good for self-care. And last but not least, she recommends the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. They're at afsp.org. We'll put all of these links in our post on hypebeast.com slash radio. You can also find out more about the show and listen to other episodes there at that link. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I personally use Anchor FM. Also, please do me a favor and leave a rating and comment to tell us what you think about the show. It definitely helps out a lot. And also, tell all your friends about the show. Share it on social media. I love reposting times when I see people listening to the business of hype. It's awesome. We also occasionally answer listener questions. So if you have a question, shoot it over to me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Staple. The Business of Hype is created in collaboration with Bright Young Things. You can check out their work at byt.nyc. Our director is Daniel Nevetta. Our audio engineer is David Rogers Berry. Our associate producers are Sydney Pacumpra and Christina Hung. This episode was recorded at Sibling Rivalry Studio and on location at the Staple headquarters in New York City. I am Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Beast Radio.